So I have a one-year-old, about 15 months old, and he has started to throw these massive tantrums, just throwing stuff. He'll look at me, and I'll say, hey, no, don't, don't, don't. He'll take the toy and chuck it. Literally, yesterday, he full-on back slapped my dog in the face, okay? Chucking toys. Now, we're disciplining him. Don't get me wrong. He's being disciplined. But this kid throwing toys, smacking the dog in the face, and slapping my hand when I'm trying to change his diaper, okay? Kind of seems like, you know, the way that you guys were acting when we were just, oh, 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 oh. Fishbowl, that's right. Let's go, fishbowl. But isn't that true, though? Sometimes we, we kind of act like one-year-old kids when we get angry, when we let that sinful anger cause us to behave like children. It happens all the time, and why do we act that way? Well, we act that way because we don't get our way. Just like my kid, if he doesn't get his way, he, he, he throws a tantrum. If our, our ego is pressed, if someone presses on our ego, if someone uh, uh, affects our pride, right? We throw a fit. We have a tantrum. We have anger, sinful anger. A lot of times it happens because we just simply don't like a situation we're in, right? Someone offends you or you're, you get cornered into a situation, so you lash out, right? We throw these tantrums all the time. So we look at these kids and we say, oh yeah, that's, that's what kids do. And then we look in the mirror and we realize, wow, I'm not much different than the way that these kids behave. We need to grow up and put on some self-control, men. We need to. We've got to put this sinful anger to death in our lives. This has got to be dead. It can cause massive destruction. So tonight we're talking about sinful anger versus righteous anger. And specifically righteous anger in the form of zeal. Like how that manifests itself in zeal right? How we can express zeal through righteous anger. So there's differences between sinful anger and righteous anger. The Bible often talks about, is, uh, about anger, and it's not always in a negative light, right? It talks about being slow to anger. There's some verses that we're going to look at tonight that talks about being slow to anger. Okay, well, it's telling me I can be anger, angry, but it's got to be in a righteous way. So there's a difference between the two. Sinful anger, selfish. Sinful anger focuses on yourself and not on God. It takes the view away from God and puts it on you. Sinful anger can be incredibly destructive. Sinful anger oftentimes is com- comes from a heart of pride. Now, righteous anger, on the flip side, it's a hatred of things that God hates. That's what righteous anger is in the Bible. What does God dislike? That's righteous anger. To be angry towards those things, towards things that are evil in the world, righteous anger. Righteous anger is also loving what honors God and hating what dishonors God, right? That's righteous anger. That's what we see throughout Scripture. And righteous anger is, uh, anger is being angry at things that God is angry at, right? We have to be angry at the things that God is angry at, and we need to do something about it. That's, what ze- that's where zeal comes in. That's where that righteous anger comes in into your life. We've got to take action. Right? We gotta do something with that anger. We gotta channel that righteous anger into zeal for God, into righteousness for God. And here's the thing, guys, if we don't learn self-control over our sinful anger, you're gonna lose everything you love. 
I mean, the Bible talks about destructive things that will happen if you do not repent from that sinful anger and lose that, and you don't have self-control over your sinful anger, and you don't turn it into zeal. If you don't turn righteous anger into zeal, you can lose everything that you love. If you're going to accomplish this in your life, you need to first get a grip on your anger. That's point number one. We got to get a grip on our anger. Get a grip on your anger. Have you ever been involved in like road rage? Hopefully not you're, not you the one that's instigating this road rage in your life. But is, have you guys ever ran into some, some person that's, you know, whether they're cutting you off and they're yelling at you or, they, you know, maybe they're flipping you off or something. They're doing something crazy. They're trying to run you off the road. Have you ever been subject to, to road rage? Well, this guy in 2014, his name was Donald Hayes, and this other guy, Danny Wilson, were involved in road rage. Now, they got to the intersection. We don't know what was going on. They're at the intersection, and they seem to be arguing at each other, some small thing, right? Well, it escalated into these guys trying to ram each other off the road. And in fact, they were getting so, they were swerving through traffic. They were, it was getting so serious that other cars were getting run off the road. These guys were swer- uh, swerving all the way through, and people were getting run off the road. So they were causing destruction all over the place. Now, what Donald did, Mr. Hayes, is he followed Wilson, Danny, to the bank. So Danny goes into the bank, and Donald parks his car parks his car, and waits for Danny to come out. Danny comes out. Donald drives right up next to his car so that he can't get out of his car, okay? And then what happens next is insane. What happens next is he starts shooting a gun at Danny, maybe trying to, I have no idea if he's trying to kill him. I don't know what he's doing, but he starts shooting a gun at Danny. Danny gets hit, and he's hospitalized, okay? This guy's life is ruined over a simple uh, altercation on the road that turned into something huge. Why? Because he didn't get a grip on his anger. He didn't get control over his sinful anger, and his life is done for because of that. Because ultimately, Danny died. Ultimately, it was a big issue, right? The guy had to go to jail because of it, all because he didn't get a grip on it. Do you have a grip on your anger? your control over that sinful anger in your life? The Proverbs have so much to say about this. So turn with me to the Proverbs. Let's look at the Proverbs. We're going to jump through a few Proverbs here. I want you to look at this with me. So open your Bibles, open your phones, open your laptops, whatever you got. I want you to look at the Proverbs with me so that we can see what it is that one of the wisest men of all time, Solomon, wrote for us the inspired words of Scripture about being wise with our anger about turning from sinful anger and putting on righteous anger. The place we're going to start is in Proverbs 14. Proverbs 14, the first one we're going to look at is verse 17. Proverbs 14, 17 says this, A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Think about that second piece there. That kind of goes back to what we preached about last week, that malice, that evil intention in your heart. That's that evil desi- devices. That's that anger that wells up in your heart that you harbor into your heart. Well, that person is hated. You literally could lose all of your friends, all of the people that are around you in this room if you cannot control your anger because those people are hated when they're holding that anger in their heart, right? If you're a quick-tempered person, you can lose your friends. 
Instead, you got to put on compassion like we talked about. We got to put on that kindness. Replace that anger with compassion and kindness in your lives towards other people. Now, look down at verse 29. Verse 29. Verse 29 says this. Whoever is slow to anger. See, we talked about that, right? Slow, being slow to anger has great understanding. So that's talking about righteous anger. We're kind of seeing both. But he who has a hasty temper exalts folly. That's foolishness. Someone who praises foolishness is someone who has a quick temper. So if you're sitting here with a quick temper without control and you're letting it loose, you're a fool, the Bible says. And not only that, but you celebrate foolishness. If you're quick-tempered, we got to put that off by being self-controlled, right? Self-control is going to be the, the thing that suppresses that sinful anger, that, that, that welling up in your heart. Practice being self-controlled. Proverbs 15.1, we move on through Proverbs. Proverbs 15.1 says this, a soft answer turns away wrath. Wrath's that boiling up in your heart that's going to well up over. But a harsh word stirs up anger, right? So clearly anger expresses itself in words. Anger, I mean, this has been a common pattern throughout our sermons, hasn't it? How our words matter and how our words are powerful and how anger affect the things that we say. And in fact, a lot of times the things you say are a direct reflection of what's inside your heart. You're going to cause a lot of fights with your friends and your family. Right? If, you don't put, if you don't get self-control over your anger, over the wrath that's in your heart, you're going to cause a lot of division in your family, a lot of division in your friend groups. You've got to be careful with those words. Proverbs 16.32 is the next one. Proverbs 16.32, flip over there. It says this, again, whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes his city. What he's saying here is, hey, you gotta, if you let your, your passions control you, you're weak. You're a weak man. If you can control those passions, you're better than a mighty man, like a warrior, right? Like someone who goes to war, you're better than that guy who lacks self-control, right? We praise these guys that go to war, and we should, but you're better than a guy like that who has no self-control if you can control your anger, if you can control those passions in your heart. If, you're, if your passions control you, you're going to do little work for, for God, right? You, if you let your passions determine your life, your, your sinful passions, you're going to do little work, if any, for God. Proverbs 17, 27, let's look there. Proverbs 17, 27 says this, whoever restrains his words has knowledge. And he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding, right? We see another, another cool spirit controlling your passions. Whoever restrains his words, it's better not to say anything than to say something out of anger, right? Someone who's quick to listen and slow to speak has knowledge. And if you can control your passions, you, you have wisdom, right? If you can't control your passion, you're a fool again, I mean, we see this common theme throughout the Bible that foolishness is someone who cannot control their passions and their anger, their sinful anger. Guys, you'll never grow wise. I mean, you'll literally remain stupid in the, world. in the world's eyes. You may be wise, but you'll remain stupid in the eyes of God if you cannot control that anger. 
You can't grow in that understanding. You can't grow in that knowledge. I mean, think about, think about those people that you see, like at the abortion rallies, that are screaming at the top of their lungs. Bloody murder, right? Because they're allowing their, their passions to be not self-controlled and just overflow into the crazy yelling that's happening there. You've got to be cautious and intentional with what you say. And that's what wise men do. Wise men are intentional with what they say. They think before they speak. You want to be a man like that. Proverbs 22, 24, Proverbs 22, 24 says this. It says, Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man. I mean, this is, this is saying directly, hey, if you got a friend who is an angry person, who, get, who gives themselves to constant anger, you should not even hang out with them. You might be that friend. You might be that person. Your relationships might be severed because you can't control your anger. Like I said, you can lose everything that you love. Here's the other thing. I mean, you can never be a leader. Think about that. You'll never be a leader in your life if you cannot put a cap on that sinful anger. There's three biblical examples I want to look at about sinful anger, what sinful anger looks like. Because I want to give you an example from the Bible the, 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 uh, of sinful anger and then the results that happened from them utilizing that or um, you know, expressing sinful anger. And the first one I want you to look at is in Daniel chapter 3. So turn there. Daniel chapter 3, we're going to look at 13 to 19. And this is talking about Nebuchadnezzar. This is going to be a familiar story for you guys. Nebuchadnezzar, the three Hebrews, right, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they did not bow down to the statue. And what did they do? Nebuchadnezzar threw them into the fire, right? Let's look at it together. Then Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought. So they brought these men before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I've set up? I mean, he probably was yelling at them because he's in furious anger. Now, if you are ready when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music to fall down and worship the image that I have made, well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. And who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter, right? They stood up for what was true and right and good, right? They were honoring to God. They didn't respond in anger. Nebuchadnezzar's anger is what cast them into the fire. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. I mean, we kind of see a contrast between sinful anger and righteous anger here. These guys are standing up for what is right and good, and that's obedience to the one true God. But Nebuchadnezzar wanted to literally kill these men, but God didn't let that happen, right? God delivered them ultimately out of the furnace. And what ended up happening to Nebuchadnezzar later on in the story? Now, of course, it's a result of his pride, but God humbled this guy to the point where he's eating grass and acting like an animal. His life was destroyed. 
in that sense. In the same way, guys, your anger can cause so many issues in your life. Your anger, whether it's out of pride or out of ego, right? In Nebuchadnezzar's sense, he, his ego was, was twinged, right? And he wanted to kill these men. The next uh, example I want to show you guys is Genesis 4. Genesis 4, 1 through 8. We're talking about Cain and Abel, okay? Cain and Abel. Read, read it along with me. It says, Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain, a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought the firstborn of his flock and of their fat portions. So they basically brought the same thing to the Lord. And he goes on to say, the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain, his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. And the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your face fallen? And this is Cain's response. He says, if you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. And then he goes on to kill him in verse 8. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him, right? His anger caused him to literally kill his brother. His anger caused him to get to the point where he was going to murder somebody and he did it. I mean, that type of emotion, when you have that anger in your heart, that's the same anger that causes people to kill people. That's the same anger in your heart. And he was, again, cursed for the rest of his life. His life was destroyed as a result of not controlling that anger. In the last example, Haman and Mordecai, I won't have you turn there, but it's in Esther 3, Haman and Mordecai. So if you remember the story, Haman was uh, basically one of the leaders in the, in the uh, political system there, and Mordecai uh, didn't salute Haman as he passed him. So Haman harbored this bitterness in his heart, and he sought, uh, or plotted rather, to kill Mordecai because he did that, okay? And not only that, but he sought to kill all of the Jews because that was the lineage of Mordecai because of his anger, because of his bitterness in his heart that he didn't control, that he didn't repent of. And in fact, you know what happened? Haman got the same exact kill, uh, death that he was plotting for Mordecai. He was impaled on the pike, Right? And he was, it, was, it was a humbling event, of course, and it ended in his death. In the, in the end, that's what happened to Haman. So you can see, guys, if you don't bottle up or if you don't, rather, repent of that uh, bitterness in your heart, it can cause destruction in your life. You need to put to death the sinful anger in your life. So, of course, th this whole first point is pointing out, hey, what does sinful anger look like? What does it look like in, in the scriptures? What does it look like? What does it mean for me? What are the results of sinful anger? Well, there's destruction that awaits, right? You can lose everything that's near and dear to you, your friends, your family, a, a future relationship, your jobs. You can lose these things if you don't Whole, uh, control that sinful anger in your life. So what do we want to do instead? Well, we got to become more zealous for God. Become more zealous for God is point number two. And that righteous anger that we want to focus on, because we want to put to death sinful anger, 
We don't want to use sinful anger. We want that to be dead. What we want to use is righteous anger. And what do we talk about? Righteous anger is things that God hates, hating things God hates. Super Bowl's coming up this weekend. Who you guys got? I hear, I hear mostly Eagles. Who's got Chiefs? Like four of you? I'm, I got, I like, I'm, I'm a Mahomes guy, man. Let, come on. Come on. All right, all right, all right, all right, all right. When the Chiefs win, we'll talk, all right? When the Chiefs win, we'll talk. Did you guys know, did you guys know that 100 million people watch the Super Bowl? 100 million people watch the Super Bowl? I mean, there's like, what, 180 million people in the United States, so like, over half? Is it 300? 300 million? Whatever. It's one third of the United States is watching. Maybe I'm thinking adults, like 180 million adults, maybe. Anyways, uh, 100 million people watch this. That's why com- commercials and everything, it, they're big ad revenue, right? Huge. And here's the thing. The reason I bring that up, this up is because football fans are incredibly crazy. Football fans get crazy. Have you guys seen a Raiders fan? Have you seen, you see, see, you all laugh because you know, like, even if you don't like football, like, Josh is over here like, yeah, I've seen a Raiders fan and he's crazy. Josh has no idea what football is. But, but he knows that Raiders fans are crazy. He knows that Raiders fans are crazy. And here's the thing, guys, like, crazy fans, they are passionate for their team, right? They're loyal to their team. If someone talks trash on their team, what are they doing, right? You're quick to be like, no, 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 that's not, that's not true about them. No, no, they're good, right? They're good. Even though football fans are crazy, we can kind of learn something from football fans about zeal. Because zeal is all about being passionate for God. Zeal is all about being loyal to God. Zeal is about turning away from the things that God hates and turning towards things that God loves, right? It's like the same idea with this football craze uh, fans, right? They're they're so loyal and devoted to their team. We got to be loyal and devoted to God in a similar sense. I mean, not really in a similar sense, in a a much bigger sense, right? As Christians, we got to do this. Write down Psalm 69.9. Write that verse down. Psalm 69.9 says this. It says, for zeal for your house has consumed me. And the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen on me. This zeal, this righteous anger has consumed the psalmist. And whenever God was dishonored, this psalmist felt that. He he felt it in his heart. That dishonor of God, he felt dishonored. That's the closeness he had, that righteous anger that he had. Do you hate the things God hates? Do you hate them? things that dishonor God, the sinful things in the life, the wicked things of this world, do you hate those things? If you're a Christian, you should. Are you angry at the things God's angry at? I mean, examine your life, guys. Examine your life. If you truly hated the things God hated, if this was actually true of you, you would never look at pornography again. If if this was true of you, if this was actually true of you, you would never consume media that's wicked and sinful ever again. If this was actually true of you, if you actually had this righteous anger, this zeal towards things that God hates, you would never find amusement things 
that dishonor God. Things that are meant to be jokes, things that are meant to be entertainment that dishonor God, you would never find those funny. Instead, you would zealously get rid of anything in your life that God doesn't like. I mean, it's plain and simple as that. If you were righteously angry, if you truly felt this, you would get rid of anything in your life that God doesn't like. On the flip side, though, you also got to love things that God loves, right? And that's where that zeal comes in. Because here's the thing. If we have this righteous anger, which is good, we want to hate the things God hates, but it can't just sit there. You have to do something with that. You have to take that righteous anger and go do good works for God. Zeal. Go do something with that anger towards God. Don't just sit there and point the finger like, oh, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. Right? That's kind of like what Pastor John was talking about a few weeks ago. We, we were talking about Ephesians 4. We were saying, uh, be slow to anger and don't let the sun go down on your anger. That's talking about righteous anger. Right? Don't linger. Don't let this righteous anger linger. Instead, do something about it, about this righteous anger. Check this out. In Romans 12, verse 11, Romans 12, verse 11 says this, Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Don't be complacent with your good works for God, with your passion for God. Serve the Lord. Be fervent in spirit and then go serve the Lord. Get this passion in your hearts and then go do something with it. Romans 12 is getting at. Guys, we got to be zealous about evangelism. Take that righteous anger towards people that are sinning against a holy God and share the gospel with them. Be zealous about getting people saved. We got to be zealous about discipleship, right? I mean, the more that, that you grow in sanctification, the less that you're sinning. So be zealous about not only being discipled, seek out someone to disciple you if you haven't already. Seek that out. Love being discipled, but not only that, disciple someone else. If you're a Christian, find someone that you can pour into. For you seniors, you can pour into the freshmen, and freshmen receive that. Be good with that. Be excited about that. Be zealous about that. You can be zealous about serving your local church. If you're not serving, you got to serve somewhere, right? That righteous anger that turns to zeal is you caring about serving your local church. Find a ministry post. It could be an entry-level thing. Find a ministry post and go do it with passion. Go do it with your whole heart and energy. Be zealous about standing up for what's true. In a world that promotes things that are completely false and wicked and terrible, guys, we live in a culture that's backwards. Everything that you say is right and good, if you trust what this says and you promote what this says, they say is wrong and evil. That's the world we live in. But being zealous for what's uh, true in the world, you can spread light into this dark generation. Salt and truth in this dark generation. Stand up for what's true. Do that at school. Do that online. Do that with your friends who are unbelievers, your family members who are unbelievers. A couple big biblical examples of righteous anger. So we talked about biblical examples of sinful anger. I want you to turn to two biblical examples of righteous anger, okay? The first one I want to look at is one of the most famous uh, righteous anger stories. It's Jesus clearing the temple, right? And that's in John chapter 2, verses 13 and 17. Go to John chapter 2 with me. John chapter 2, we're going to look at verse 13 through 17. And here's the problem 
that Jesus had with this. People were in the inner court where the Gentiles would stay, and what would happen is they, they wouldn't accept Roman money, so they would exchange the money for the coins that they accepted, but they were charging these crazy rates and just taking advantage of people that would come through. And not only that, what, is, what does God require when you sacrifice an animal? It needs to be unblemished, right? We're learning that in our DBR right now. Well, they were selling these blemished animals that were not worthy of sacrifice. So Jesus was not happy with this. They were literally desecrating the temple is why Jesus gets righteously angry about this. And in verse 13, it says, the Passover of the Jews was at hand and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple, he found those who were selling oxen and sheep and pigeons and money changers were sitting there. And making a whip of cords, he drove them all out of the temple with the sheep and oxen. And he poured out all the coins of the money changers, and he flipped the temples he, or tables. He overturned their tables. And he told those who sold the pigeons, take these things away. Do not make my father's house a house of trade. His disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. So right there, they're quoting Psalm 69 about Jesus, the psalm that we just read. Right? He had this righteous anger, this zeal for God's temple, for truth, for what God wanted. We're going to have that same righteous anger and zeal over things in our own lives, with our friends, at school. When someone says something crazy, be ready to stand up for what's true. Don't let people desecrate God's name. If you're a Christian here, that should, that should bother you. That should really bother you. Another example I want you to look at is Moses in Exodus 32. Exodus 32, verse 18 through 20, Exodus 32, Moses just got done talking to God, right? He goes on to Mount Sinai, and here's the thing. God gives him the first ever written communication from God, the tablets, right? You have the Ten Commandments written on these tablets. And then Moses comes down the mountain because God's saying, hey, they're doing something, doing something that I really don't like. You better go down there and deal with it. So Moses goes down, and this is what happens in Exodus 32, 18. But he said, it is not the sound of shouting for victory or the sound of the cry of defeat, but the sound of singing that I hear. As soon as he came near the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses' anger burned hot. Because here's the thing, guys, they, as soon as Moses went up, they built this golden calf because Moses was just taken too long. They thought, oh, God's forgotten us. Build us a God. And Aaron said, okay. So he built him this golden calf. So Moses' anger burned hot. He was righteously anger, angry, and he threw the tablets down. And that's symbolic of the covenant's been broken. You guys messed up. It's done. Threw the tablets down. And he broke them at the foot of the mountain, and he took the calf that they had made and burned it with fire. Doesn't stop there. This is what he does. Burns it with fire, grounds it into powder, scattered it into the water, and then made the people drink it. That's some righteous anger, if I ever saw some. Right? So clearly, he was angry at what the people were doing. I mean, these people did something that was egregious in the eyes of God. They started worshiping a false god, right? And there's a lot of false gods in this world. It doesn't have to be an idol that you're bowing down to. There's a lot of false gods in this world that people want to promote and love and, and worship. Instead, turn that into righteous anger 
Don't make people drink the idol that they're watching. But hey, guess what? You can talk, speak truth and love because there's grace in Christ. Give the gospel to these people. Bring them to gospel. That's a, that's a great way to express righteous anger in your life is sharing the gospel with these people. Martin Luther, the great reformer who was righteously angry with the Catholic Church. Martin Luther was very mad, righteously so, that they were selling indulgences. Now, indulgences, you can ask me about that later or ask a leader, but essentially they were paying to get people's souls out of purgatory faster, right? Martin Luther had, did not want this. He was not happy about this because he knew this is not biblical. This is not right. So what did he do? He hammered some 95 theses on the, it was the church in uh, Wittenberg, Germany, Castle Church. 95 theses, nailed it onto, onto the door. Why? Because he was righteously angry. And he had zeal and went and did something about it. And you know what he says? I love this quote. He says this. He says, I never work better than when I am inspired by anger. For when I am angry, I can write, pray, and preach well. For then my whole temperament is quickened, my understanding sharpened, and all mundane vexations and temptations depart. All those little things of the world, it doesn't even matter when he's laser-focused on something he's righteously angry about. That's what we need to feel in our hearts. We need to be righteously angry and then go laser-focused, get it done. Do something about it. Use that righteous anger to drive you to do great things for God. Let's pray. Lord, please help us with this. As we look around into our world, into our culture, we see a lot of examples of unrighteous, sinful anger. But even in our own church, even in our own hearts, God, expose that sinful anger in our hearts so that we can repent of that that we can pursue righteous anger and turn it into zeal. Don't, please, Lord, don't let us sit in that righteous anger and point the finger, but let's do something, whether that be evangelism or, or, or uh, discipleship or, or growing in righteousness, God, whatever it may be practically. Help us to put this into practice today. Help us to do great things for you when we focus that righteous anger. So, God, please help us with this this week, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.